2: So then he couldn't wait to get to a telephone box because there no mobile phones back in them days. And I had all the designer clothes going out the door just to, to a nightclub. And my daughter lifted the phone and she said, Daddy, your brother Q is on the phone. And I walked in thought I thought he was going to talk about business or family or something because now he's in England.
3: There's a man going round taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame.
2: And a woman opened the door. Excuse me, son. Do you want a lass of lemonade? A lass of lemonade? I couldn't believe it. None of my brothers around to take it from me. Yes, please. And she took me in, caught me by the hand. She took me in the door, and she shut the door behind me.
3: There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when
2: the man comes around. Uh, And my own daughter come out... And seeing their daddy's legs hanging out from 90 to car I just dragged me from ninety the car
3: Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big car. John, over to you
2: Let's give him a warm up
4: This is Bali Sillin a deeply loyalist part of Belfast. An Elam Pentecostal church.
2: And sometimes it even will love to tell us that we're no good. We're worthless.
4: The preacher is a Dubliner, a traveler, that baptized that a Catholic.
2: The In a beautiful to
4: know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The congregation is unusual. Red, white, and blue residents from the locality and a handful of travelers from the Falls Road.
2: You know, sometimes I do that he's so close. <laughs> It's absolutely beautiful.
4: The preacher is John Purcell.
2: I thank God with all in my heart today.
4: A dapper-looking man in a suit and tie. Is my Lord and Saviour. He's tanned, you know, has dark hair and like a it, pencil moustache.
2: Because I come here for a blessing, and if you come for a blessing, you're going to be blessed.
4: He's holding a Bible you know, in his hand, but he's not reading years, from it. He can't. And I praise God for that. He also has you know, chains just, with him. I just show you what
2: what the way I used to be. I mean this with all of my heart, spiritually. Here's the way I was. I couldn't see him, but I was shackled. Shackled with drugs, shackled with alcohol, shackled with pain, shackled with hurt and loss of family. Wouldn't let him go, holding on. And looking back, I said looking forward, till the day I got down on my knees in France 20 years ago... In a big
4: Normally, you'd expect a preacher like this to call on someone from the congregation to come up and bear witness to the change in their life. But John Purcell doesn't need a sinner to come up and repent. He has plenty of his own sins to talk about.
2: ..a lifting for me. And I jump and I could leap and I'm free. I'm set free. They never have no hold to me no more. He took away...
4: The first thing that you notice when you pull into John's driveway is a seven-foot elephant staring at you. I think it's like a fiberglass or
2: plastic or something like that. It's solid, very thick. It must be about a half inch thick, you know, the material, and it's very heavy. Could be a half a ton weight or something. And then there's a small little one there, It's a baby elephant. I always loved animals all my life. Even when we used to travel about in England years ago, we used to have pet lambs and you know sheep and you know, all different types of, and pigs I nimming. Mean. And uh, then when I got here and got my own place and the, the land here, then I ended up buying, you know, a, a Scotch and cattle you know, that I herd of them. And then I had a, a, a llamas, I went by and got llamas and alpacos, and then uh, miniature ponies and stuff like that there. And then I had a big steam engine here sitting here years ago, a big stationary steam engine. And then I went and bought that there, and I put it there in the place of the steam engine. You know where did you get it, John? I bought it outside the porty down. As a man sells all different types of stuff in a big massive yard, and I just took a liking to that. There, it was big enough to fill that space. Sure, you know it would be. A really blessed, the town. Um, I've just asked you. Do you want milk? That's
4: absolutely perfect. <laughs> and actually, sure. out of interest, I would put you at about 54, 55. Well, I'm sixty-seven. No sugar. No thanks.
2: You see, the Lord will restore your utises and your strength. That him? He'll bless you.
4: Actually, John seems to have the energy of a younger man. He covers thousands of miles every year preaching. His car is distinctive. It's a sporty-looking white Mercedes, but that's not the only thing that makes it different. And just as I was coming out there, John, I actually I smiled to myself there because I saw the licence plate on the front. It's like GP or something. Or GPSY. Yeah. Obviously, it says Gypsy, so it's not something that you hide away from.
2: No, we have that licence plate for years. You know, we put on different cars that we get to keep the plate because uh, it's a personalised plate. It's our own plate. And uh, people knows me. You know, when I see the plate, if I pack at the church you know I'm there. A man said to me one day, I'll never forget this, he said his wife is a next traveler. And he was trying to make excuses for his wife because she was a traveler. He was embarrassed because she was a traveler. That's what he was saying, really. And I looked at him like that there and said, so, You know, some I know a lot of black people and thank God for the black people. But so, I've yet to see a next black man. Say, so, a traveler is a traveler. And say, so, I'm a traveler. And say, so, no matter where I am, if I live in a, in a mansion or no matter where I live, I'm still a traveler.
3: Memories,
4: how
2: they linger. You know, years ago when we were a gypsy family, I'm, I'm the eldest of 18 children, 13 boys and 5 girls.
3: Sacred I,
2: I said to my mother and father, I wonder how they had so many children. But then I realized we had the rabbit stew, alas. We'd rabbit for breakfast and supper and dinner, you name it, we'd rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. We had rabbit soup even. So today I realise how my mother and father had so many children because they ate a lot of rabbits. We used to travel about Ireland with a horse-drawn caravan way back in the 50s. Thank God we never were hungry. We always had clothes on our back and food in our bellies. And we always had a bed to lie in. Thank God for my father. We never wanted for anything. My grandmother and my uncles was over in England, working in England. My uncles
4: used to ring, you know, come over and tell my father about how easy the money is made to, in England. John's family stayed for years in the UK, moving around Scotland, Wales and England.
2: My father went out getting scrap and stuff. But anyway, he pulled to this street of houses, like Carnation Street type of houses, of big red brick houses, about a mile long a street. So my father pulled the lorry in the side of the road. And he said, son, he said, me and your mammy is going to get out knocking the doors of the house. Your mammy is going to sell pegs and flowers and stuff out of a basket. So I got out of the lorry and I walked up just about two doors away from the wagon, from the truck. And a woman opened the door. Excuse me, son. Do you want a lass of lemonade? A lass of lemonade? I couldn't believe it. None of me brothers was around to take it from me. Yes, please. And she took me in, caught me by the hand. She took me in the door and she shut the door behind me. And she brought me down sitting on a This is what made me mind of it. A table like this here. And I, I my legs were that short. I remember swinging my legs, waiting for the woman to get the last eliminate. And she got a pint glass. And she went and she started. I can't even remember the, even the sound of her filling the glass. I can't remember that even. Then she went away and got cream cakes. I couldn't believe it. You know, I just a bit of John I had, and here she putting cream cakes, cakes down and biscuits and yolks. And I couldn't believe what was happening to me. I thought it was in heaven. But I didn't realise that I was lost. I didn't realise that this woman had me hours and hours in this house. I didn't realise that my parents were running up and down the road banging doers. Did you see my son? And then the woman said, do you want one of those little spinning tops, son? You know, like make a whistle, this is no years ago, and the spin. Yes, please. And she went upstairs to get the, top, the spinning thing. And then I heard my father, Did anybody see my son? Anybody see my son banging the doors? I'm along. And he just grabbed me, and he started crying and crying and crying. But here I'm in the house. And I'm carried away with all material things. I'm carried away with sports. I'm carried away with, with, with property. I'm carried away with money. And here I think I'm in heaven. And here I'm all excited. And I didn't realize that I was lost. There's so many people sitting in churches and pews. They're carried away with money. They're carried away with material things. And they don't realize that their soul is in danger of going to hell.
5: you're trying to reach heaven You talk to Jesus You talk to him every day Because Jesus knows He knows that you
4: are... One day when he was in his late teens, they were stopped in Liverpool and John happened to go into a shop for a Mars bar.
2: There I seen this woman, the young woman, arguing with the man behind the counter, and she gave ten pounds of her father's money, and the man was giving her a change of it fiver, which ten pounds back in them days was like two weeks' wages. So I walked over, said, so what's the problem? And she said, This man had my father's tenor and he won't open the till to prove that he has the tenor. So he opened the till and the tenor was there and he then he apologised. He knew it was there. So then he gave her the right change. So then I was driving that time a massive Merkin car, a big V8 with a big long front on it. And I asked her, I so said, where do you live? She said, up in the housing stayed there. I said, do you want to lift up? I was with my friend. We said, no, we didn't want to
5: lift. Getting into a strange car. So we walked on and he drove slowly behind us. And then my aunt lived not far and we ducked into her house. And we were in there for about 15 minutes, but when we come out, he was
2: still there around the corner waiting. And he uh, said, so will you come to the pictures with me tonight?
5: And I said, I might. Anyway, he said he'd be there at, well,
2: was it, 7 o'clock, he said. And so I met him, we went to the pictures. And that night in the pictures, I asked her to, to marry me. <laughs> and I said to him, Are you
5: mad (laughs) I don't even know you how can I marry you
2: (laughs) but anyway we end up going together and then she told her mother lies she didn't tell that I was a traveler that was you know camped just down the road from her because my wife is not a traveler I wanted to get married to her and then when I told my parents they blew a fuse because I was getting married to a non-gypsy person she never told her mother about who I was But then when she eventually told her parents and the parents was delighted to know they were were really good people and thank God for that. Then we end up getting married and that's 48 years ago. And every morning and every night I look at her and I think to myself, am I mad? But no, thank God for her. When we got married, we end up in a small little caravan about 16 feet long and pulled in a bit of waste ground at a farm. And then the next morning, my wife wanted to get water, and the nearest running water top was she had to run for water, in other words, to get it if she wanted running water. And then she wanted to turn on the switch for the lights. She asked, where's where's the electric? And there was no electric. I just gave her a match to light the, the mantle gas lights in the caravan. And then there was no heat in the caravan, but we, back in the days we didn't need heat because we had a lot of steamy windows at that time. was we not long married. And I thank God then, from then on then, we start getting, you know, out working and doing what my father used to do, and then I start dealing and buying and selling stuff. And then we end up coming to Newry, way back in the 70s. we put into a proper public car park about 15 caravans and we parked them in lines for four years we owned the car park we took over for four years the police wouldn't want to put us out because during the trouble while families were there they weren't going to shoot so we had a field day seven children with triplets and twins and we're only supposed to be over here for three months work on holiday but it's over 40-odd year and we're still here in Uri. we're in the front garden of the house here in my own home that we built
4: the house that John built is a fine place right near the border with plenty of land around it some of that land is given over to a big yard which is filled with mobile homes. These are all second-hand stuff we sell. Sometimes we sell new stuff,
2: but those, at the minute those is all second-hand stuff. Mobile homes, and then we'll take them in and uh, refurbish them, some of them. You know what I mean? That needs work done until we do it, and then make sure they're right, and then the most important part, a good roof, and, you know, solid van. You know, and, and that's not leaking around like that there, and that's young, you know, good, you know, it's a good van. Well, there's a van there we could take around about, about five grand for it, you know. I mean, that fan there today, to buy new, like we're talking about, you're talking around about maybe twenty eight thousand or something like that for it to buy new. we me show you inside. Then. See, that fan is there's no difference in the new. You know, I mean, everything is perfect in it, clean as spotless. It's, an van, and, uh, it's a neat bird fan, and there's the kitchen and a living room in it. And there's a bathroom and a shower, and then the separate toilet as well, and away from the shower. And then you've a full bedroom inside it, and then you have two beds beside in the wee room. And it's twelve foot wide and it's thirty five feet long. But it's a, it's a nice van. See, it's no, it hasn't been used, You know what I mean? Everything's like new look. No marks or nothing. The carpet, everything, is a good van. There's the fridge and the cooker. The sink. thing think was and like in the house, everything is same. Like all there's an instant in home. All you need is a suitcase. You're not amazed. You know, the find is for happening. you know, at that type of money
4: Throughout the eighties and nineties, things were going well for John. He had a family, a thriving business, and had married the woman of his dreams. But it wasn't enough. Every night, he was out in the town.
2: You know, nightlife was my life. The very minute I came back, I come alive, in the words, like a vampire. I was on a party going to hell, and I didn't know. You know, I even just do breakdancing. A madman I used to be. In the clubs then, women would come around you, and you were a gypsy. I say, yes, well, can you tell fortunes? I couldn't tell fortunes, but I could tell lies. You know what I mean? And then I tell a whole lot of lies and make a laugh and a joke about hell. Well, then thank God for my wife, for the way she put up with me, coming home stupid drunk. You know, I'm messing about maybe with different women up and down the road here, and carry of women going from one nightclub to another club, and pass my own home here because I live on the main road here.
4: John's attitude to religion at the time was pretty pragmatic, he bothered God when it suited him, like if he was drunk while driving and the British army set up a checkpoint with the police. And then, oh, Lord, I no am drunk if I get pulled, I'm going to be arrested. Time to do a deal with the Lord.
2: Oh, Lord, I'll never drink again, I'll never do anything wrong again. And when you get past the checkpoint, the first thing you're going to say, what club I'm going to go to, what night, you know who I'm going to meet. I remember years ago spending thousands and thousands of pounds nightlife in it and I'd be off as the last one coming out of any bar or nightclub. One night or one morning, I don't know when I was, I come in through them gates there and I parked the car behind the, the back of the house here and I fell over of the car getting out and I rolled underneath the car, got stupid drunk and I fell asleep and my own daughter come out and seen her daddy's legs hanging out from underneath the car, and just dragged me from underneath the car. I thought the car was a
4: rug over me. Some example to my family. John's wider family was important to him. They worked together, drank together, and went out together. One of these occasions John will never forget
3: the Forget about your and
2: We were in the pictures here, me mother and father in the pictures watching Jungle Book with all the children.
3: That bring the
2: and somebody run in and said one of his sons had been killed in Galway. Was a friend of his down there, and something wrong with his car wasn't going right. So he he fixed it and got it going really good for him. And then they took the car up for a run up the, the Galway Road, the main road, a big no bends running on it. But the sun was beaming down, and they put grit on the road in order to stop the the tar melting. And they come to just just a bit of a wave in the road, and whatever happened, the car just spun around, and a lorry coming, and the car went underneath the lorry, and the car was cut two halves. So and my brother went underneath the lorry, was killed straight away, and then. We were shocked. We could not believe that our brother was dead because there no, there's 18 in our family, 13 boys and five girls. And there was nothing happening back in them days. And you know, we're all alive. And we're all together. we always, we all stuck together. We never left. You know, the family was a very close family. And that day, you may say my mother and father got killed that day because my father was never the same after that. He died no length after that. He took cancer with a shock in his throat. And he died after that there. And that killed me inside as well. You know, I could not have seen what was happening to our family. And then my mother come to me one day and she said, son, she said, what good is me living in this earth? Your daddy is gone. Say, don't be so silly, say. We need you, say. So you're precious. And she lost the will to live. She didn't want to live without my father. Couldn't believe it. And then my mother died. And then a young brother of mine in Belfast, he was robbed. I believe he was kicked to death in Belfast. Never hurted anybody in his life and he was killed. And how we heard about it, it was on the news, identified by the clothes he was wearing, the coloured clothes. And my two sisters bought the clothes for him the week before.
4: string of losses did nothing to change John's lifestyle. It was as self-destructive as before, more so even. I hate a drink, but I just wanted to get drunk, that's the truth.
2: I hate the taste of off, but I wanted to kill the pain that was in me, you know what I mean?
4: And what pain was that, John?
2: It was a pain, you know, of not knowing where it was going to go or where, you know, what's happening or what's going to happen. You know what I mean? That type had, had no peace, in other words. A pain of no peace. And then a pain that would let of hate and anger.
4: Then one evening, the phone rang. John wasn't to know, but it was a call that would change everything for him.
2: And my daughter lifted the phone and she said, Daddy, your brother Q is on the phone. And I walked in and thought I was going to talk about business or family or something, because now he's in England. And when I lifted the phone, and I said, how are you doing? I said, I'm a born-again Christian. I never heard that word before in my life. And he said, get a Bible. And my brother started telling me to get a Bible. I, I thought he blew a fuse. I thought I, he definitely got, went mad. And I said, what do you mean? What are you on about? He said, get a Bible. He said, your soul is in danger of going to hell. I said, are you serious? Are you sick or what? Are right. all right? I couldn't believe you know what I was hearing on the telephone. And then I looked at my watch. I was losing drinking time. Say, so look, say, so he's keeping me out of trouble. Yes. Well, then, say, so OK. And I caught my daughter, here, Ireland. say, so you speak to him. And down along the road, I went to the nightclub, saying, so, that's sad. Say, so, why did he go to England? If he had to stay in Ireland, he would have been all right. A young, sensible man. Now, he's at a... Blown a fuse. I thought he, I convinced that he went mad. And on the way down, I was trying to figure out what does he mean about born again? Born again. I said, the most stupid thing I've heard in my life. I knew a woman was about seven stone weight and she had sons and daughters, 20 odd stone. How can they be born again? Twice the size of the mother. And then I knew another woman was about four foot six and she had a son closer to seven foot and six. So how can he be born again? And then I was going, I knew the rest of my family, some of my family would be in the nightclub. I was going to tell the rest of my brothers that our brothers had a, had a blown a fuse in England. We need to go take him back and take him to some of the hospitals here and put jump leads on him, get him back to his senses. So then we went into the pub that night and at about 20 of us around one little table. And the more drunker we got, the more we cried over our poor brother. And then he come back on the phone again and he come back and he come back. and, and the, For every night he was on the phone, he was driving us around the bend he was. When the phone used to ring, I used to jump, I think it was like a Rothfiller going to eat you or something. Tell him I'm not here, I'm gone off. But then he started telling me about some men that I knew were street fighters, like fought for a lot of money. And now they're not fighting no more with their fist. And then he starts to tell me that they're saved, they're born again Christians, and now they're going around with a Bible in a different battle. I couldn't believe it, say, so. there's money involved. There's got to be money involved, because the men I knew wouldn't do anything like that there, they're getting paid. So it went down for about six months, and then he said, we're coming back to Ireland, and there's some pastors coming back and some other Gypsy families coming back, born again Christians, and they're going into Cork and Galway and Dublin and Limerick, and they're going to finish up in Newry. Well, I say, hurry up then. Money signs were going up in my eyes. You know, I thought that there was definitely money involved.
3: Just a moment, I wish I could have been there.
4: The Christian Revival Group eventually made their way up to Newry. John was curious... But his children were even more so, and they went over to the prayer meetings.
2: And I was walking at the door, going out to the nightclub, and my child come in, meeting me, and she said, "Daddy, I'm a born again Christian." So I said, get on my way. Don't be so stupid. And I went down to the pub and got drunk that night. So I'm going over the next night, and I'm going to find out what's going on over in that barn. There's got to be money involved. And I went over. It didn't go special to it. I went with like a fine comb. I wanted to find where's the loophole. There's got to be money. And had all chairs and guitars and the and pulpit.
3: Gazing at the stars. Did you remember creating everyone?
2: The yard was full with cars. I couldn't believe what. And then I heard all this beautiful music come from the just big shed, the big barn.
1: Or would I have known I was shy could have been.
2: But I felt a peace in that barn that I never felt before in my life. It was like somebody hugging you. The peace of God was in that barn. Face, And then the pastor preached the message and he came right down to me at the end. I was standing at the back door. He said, you know, he said, he said, God is going to say to you, what did you do for my son Jesus and what are you going to say? I thought he was getting cheeky with me. But anyway, he said it again. I could not give him an answer. And from that day forward, my life changed. The peace of God, all the hurt and hate and anger and all the
4: unbelief moved right out of my system. And joy and peace moved in. The revival group left Newry and moved on. John followed them to France, where he was, what he calls, saved. I started looking at my wife and my children
2: in a different outlook. I started looking at mounds and trees that I never had time to look at before in my life. He took the addiction of alcohol out of my system completely. The addiction of medication for 17 years, I couldn't get off it. With tablets and stuff, for 17 years, I couldn't get off it. And that left my body completely.
4: Some of John's children are religious musicians and perform at meetings. John himself decided to preach, but Patricia, his wife, was more cautious.
5: I needed to see a change in him, to see how he got on with his salvation. And then when I see him changing and everything, our lives changing, Then um, a friend of ours asked us to go to a meeting one night, and um, I wasn't up for going at all. But I said I'd go to keep him quiet because he kept asking me the same question. So when I went to bed that night, I prayed and I asked God if I was meant to go to this meeting to make me eager to go. So the next night, I was the first one ready to go, and I was hurrying everybody else
0: light
5: So then I accepted the Lord that night No more in darkness
0: No more in Now
2: I'm so happy My family was shocked when I got saved when they found out about it Me out there family you know me uncles and aunts and stuff like that one aunt said to me son what about your business she thought I blew a fuse she thought I couldn't hear me living you know what I meant by telling the truth I remember going to a funeral and there was groups of them around, you know, standing outside the chapel. And me, my son and my daughter went over. And when I stood in here, in a matter of five minutes, the whole lot left us. And we were just the only three standing. Then so I watch this, so I, let's go for this other group over here. And then we stood over another group. Within a matter of minutes, they were gone and we were the only three left standing. With the brass on it. See, years ago, the Bible just to be locked in. The other, the other ones before this was a
4: lock and key in it. Inside John's house, it's ornately decorated. Oh, yeah. Moses. On a stand in the living room. Is a large antique Bible, beautiful Bible, isn't it? with a hand-tooled leather cover.
2: Because if I'm used see a Bible like that, you know, I I love, you know, getting into the Word of God, you know, the Scriptures as well when you're quoting the Scriptures.
4: John has an incredible ability to recite from the Bible. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust Mention a chapter and verse, and he can quote it. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? John now, what makes that pretty impressive? is that John never learned to read or write. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's illiterate. See, that's the scripture, that's God's word. He's had to commit the Bible to memory.
5: We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold
4: or silver. He does this with the help of Patricia, who reads and records passages for him. And man's devising. truly. I'm about to put on the earphones. He also has audiobooks of the Bible. And he said to her, daughter. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. John will spend hours upon hours listening Someone to Bible to the readings. Ruler ...of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead.
2: Don't I do it every day and every night. Sometimes I'm fell asleep with earphones on me. You know what I mean? And uh, you wake up then maybe an hour or two hours, and you're still that word is going around in your inner being. It strengthens you. That's the truth it is. 14.
5: For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil,
2: to give you a future and a hope. I'll go from word to word, you know, maybe spend weeks, you know, learning the scripture, because I preach to a lot of religious people where they have the Bible in their hands, some of them, and where you cannot make a mistake, because if you do, they're following you with the Bible.
3: Will a man walk down by Galilee so the Holy Book does say? And a great multitude was gathered there without a thing to eat for days.
5: He has the Bible in his hand, but he's not actually reading it because he knows us from the recording.
3: Who was it, everybody? It was Who was it, everybody? It was Jesus Christ,
2: our Lord. There's two buses I it. And one is heaven-bound. And people in the bus all smiling. Look, if you notice all the people in this bus here, number seven, heaven-bound. And Jesus Christ is the driver. He's the one you get your ticket from. And then I have this other bus drawn here, look. Hellbound, 666, the mark of the beast. And if you notice, the only one with smiling in this bus is the devil. All the rest are screaming and roaring and gnashing the teeth, look. Where they thought they were okay, thought that religion could get them to heaven, taught good works and good deeds could get them to heaven. And they didn't realize there's only Jesus Christ and get you to heaven. Because it says in John 14, I just quote the scripture to you, in John 14, beginning the first 1, Jesus comforts his disciples.
3: And when saw walking with his you came back from the dead. Who was everybody? Who was
4: Nowadays, John is in demand as a preacher. He sermonizes all over Ireland in regular churches as well as in the new churches in industrial units on the outskirts of towns and cities. There last Sunday week I was preaching
2: in Derry, you
4: know, a big uh, drive-in meeting, like a, like a drive-in movie type of
2: thing. And all cars, you know, people sitting in the cars on a big platform up preaching, you know, maybe five or six hundred cars in the car park. You know, and a lot of people come for prayer at the end, you know, just preaching love, not religion, not hate or anger, but preaching God's love, the truth. That's quite interesting, You yeah. the, the different types of people you've preached to. All different types of people. Have. One particular man even come. Oh well, the umpteen different ones, and came Would God forgive a sinner? So I certainly, God would forgive you if you want to forgive from your heart, not from your head. And he give his heart to the Lord. And I didn't know who he was then, because I never asked who he was. And then I found out after that who he was. You know, it was paramilitary. And then another paramilitary, and another one, another one. Different ones, you know, different places up in, in, in the years.
4: He's also uh, preached abroad.
2: We got to the Philippines, uh, you know, and then being out in America on um, different times and preaching in different parts of America and then we're preaching in the reservations. And then we uh, up in Scotland, up in the highlands, and then out in the Orkneys. And John, how, how,
4: I suppose, how do you afford it all? Well,
2: that's, see, that's when it, they, God is no man's debtor. When you're working for him, he'll work for you. We had a big auction there way back years ago, and we sold a lot of stuff. And what we got, or the auction, then we put it in
4: to God's work. You know, we went and blessed people with it. So, effectively, for you to be flying overseas, and you have to be pocketing that out of your, oh, your no. business?
2: Yes, yeah,
4: yeah. think I get is just go because I can't bring nothing with me.
2: And uh, would you be nervous before? I was nervous, and I've done thousands and thousands of meetings and preached over the years. At every meeting I do be nervous because I have to let, you know, God take control, not me. And then when I do open my mouth then, his words will come forward because I want him to use me as a vessel. But when I heard my father, God Almighty, knocking the door of my heart... I thought he was going to do harm to me over the sins that I'd done years ago. All the sins over the years that I'd done. I thought he couldn't forgive me. I thought he wouldn't forgive me. But when I heard the knock in my heart, I opened the door of my heart and I went to him in. And he hugged me. And he washed me. And he cleansed me. And he set me Free. Free. He's absolutely beautiful.
4: His meetings include sermonising and healing. When he's finished speaking, he then calls forward anyone who wants a blessing, and a number of people rise from their seats and form a queue. When they get to John, they talk into his ear. He listens to them, and then he blesses them by putting his hand on their forehead.
2: Lord, I'm asking you in Jesus' name to put your hand down in this man's inner being and move all the hurt over the years that's gone by out of his system completely and pour your joy and peace and blessings right into him and the well within him will spring up and that the rivers of love and blessing and nighting will
4: continue flowing from him and Lord, change him completely. Help him, Lord. This is back in Ballycillin in Loyalist Belfast. The meeting is over. The congregation deliver their verdict on John. John was absolutely fantastic tonight. I believe he was really under the anointing of God and everything that he brought this evening. I don't believe it was of himself. I believe that it was God-inspired and God was speaking through him. And do you think with John being from the South originally and being a traveller, is that unusual for people in Belfast? John's John and you just endear to him no matter what when you meet him he's a character There's, he's one in a million in fact maybe he's one in ten million uh, so I mean all of those things uh, don't really come into it at all I mean people say you know we're very red white and blue here in Ballyston I suppose maybe we are a wee bit you know but for, for John we just see him as one of our own
3: I felt, it, uh, I felt as he touched me I could feel the heat and, uh, and the quiver as he touched me and the presence of the Holy Spirit was a obvious you know
5: brilliant. A lot of people has been touched tonight.
4: And how long have you been saved yourself?
5: I've been saved now, the last five months. I am a seeker A poor, sinful creature There is none weaker than I am I am a seeker And you yeah mm-hmm.
2: Heaven is a proper solid gold city. It's not a big old cloud with a wet pamper and you're sitting there bored to death playing a harp. It's not. It's a solid gold city. It tells you in Revelation in the Bible, and if you read it down even from ten to twenty-seven, it tells you the length and the breadth and the height of Ezekiel, four square. In other words, it's massive. It's twelve thousand furlongs. That's what it says, the length and the breadth and the, and the height of it is equal. So, therefore, 12,000 fairlongs in our terms today, you can look it up on the internet, is 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high, and it's solid gold, pure gold.
5: Don't turn me away I am a seeker A poor sinful creature
2: We can take maybe 1,500 quid for that van there. This is a,
4: a, an old van, older, but it's like new. No, it's clean. You can see it like it's rigid. The two parts of John's life, dealing in second-hand mobile homes and spreading the gospel, they seem unconnected, preaching and selling. But for John Purcell, they're not. I'm still a salesman for God. You know, I man, I thank God. Uh, you know the way the Lord
2: have changed my life and give me peace. I'm telling people about Jesus because you couldn't buy Him because He's priceless and He's free. <laughs> you know, man, that's one thing you can be sure. No I man, there's a van there we could take around about eighteen hundred pounds for it. Right.
3: It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom
2: come. I did give vans away for nothing at the very beginning, and then I found out that they sold the vans and made a laugh of the christian people and we don't want to be fools for christ because god give me wisdom and knowledge sense <laughs> and i thank god for that
3: it's hard for thee to kick against the prince in measured a hundred weight and penny pounds